0: This is SASTER's Founders Favorite series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from SASTER speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Feeling the blues after all the great content from SASTER Annual 2019 has come and gone? Join us in Paris for SASTER Europa, coming up June 12th and 13th. Use the code FAVE15 and get 15% off. Just for tuning in. Up today, Atlassian President Jay Simons and Saster CEO Jason Lemkin. Woo! Let's welcome Jay Simons back to Saster. <laughs> All right. Thanks, my friend. Thanks for coming. Thanks, man. And so I wanna I wanna get into openness and talk about some of these things, but let's step back for a minute. Um, talk about some numbers in generational companies, but uh, when you came before, you we were talking about backstage, so much has changed in the cloud in the last couple of years, hasn't it? So you came three years ago. I was writing the title for the presentation. It was how to build a $4 billion rocket ship. By the time you got here, it was a $5 billion rocket ship, which seemed crazy. It seemed crazy, and today market cap is just a number, but, but Atlassian's $24 billion market cap plus or minus, uh, that's a lot of growth, isn't it? <laughs> Crossed a billion in revenue, but actually, more interestingly, um, at least historically, it was grown at about 40 percent, right? And that—that's a jaw-dropping number, isn't it? Based on our history, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going? So I know some of that's execution and having world-class products, but what's happening on the internet, in cloud, in business software? What's driving this 40 percent growth at a billion? What's really happening?
1: Well, I mean, for us, it's, it's uh, you know, the nature of work is changing for a lot of companies. And so I think the kind of macro theme that drives a lot of Atlassian's growth is, you know, teams are basically the currency of productivity inside of companies. We tend to celebrate kind of a single idea or a lone genius, but any great idea, including in all of your companies, uh, is only realized through the hard work of people that are trying to accomplish something together. And, you know, Atlassian's mission is to unleash the potential of every team. And so I think we've focused on a ripening market Nature of work is changing. People are looking for technologies and practices, and 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 basically better ways to move forward faster. And uh, you know, in addition to sort of like the secular shift towards cloud, uh, and you know, a lot of you have heard every company is is becoming a software company or software is eating the world. Um, companies need to operate like SaaS companies effectively, and uh, I think that's fueled a lot of our growth.
0: And are more? Are you? On this sort of early adopter to late adopter phrase, where are we with Atlassian's customers? Are you getting the re- the late adopters? are you getting folks that are just just leaving the air gap world? Where are we on this continuum
1: uh, i I think we're still early uh, right. i mean I think there's just still a lot of change if you if you If you take the roof off of a lot of buildings and look at the way that people work uh it's still pretty antiquated i think there's like a lot of of collaborative workflow that is trapped inside of email inboxes that you know, are kind of these atomic blobs of documents or spreadsheets that people attach to an email and fling to 50 or or, you know, or five people. Yeah. And that's just a broken way of working. And so I, I think as more and more people shift to kind of dynamic real-time ways of managing projects and creating content and communicating, uh, there's, there's just a huge ripening audience, I think, to move them from the past to the future.
0: Yeah, and when we when we kicked off the, the event, we talked about crossing a billion—not in, in valuation on unicorns, was a hundred SaaS unicorns—but a billion AR. Are you building a generational company? How far out do you guys talk about today? How far out in the future are you planning? Are you planning five, ten, twenty years out? How can you see Atlassian in twenty thirty nine and twenty fifty
1: nine? So we we do an exercise. We do an exercise uh, every couple of years. We update that we call a painted picture, and the painted picture is. Uh, and it's, it's kind of crowdsourced within the company, but the idea is you, if you close your eyes and you're to open them 10 years into the future, what do you see? And you know, we try to think about things like how big would our customer base be or what kind of revenue or what would our product portfolio look like? But in sort of other things, like we would imagine, boy, in the next 10 years, uh, Alassian would have, have delivered a TED Talk or uh, you know, we're, we're sort of the, the, the shape of, of kind of the economy around us that's related to what we're doing might look this way. And, you know, we get probably, remarkably, about 60% uh, of the things that we kind of imagine we've been able to kind of realize. And so that's sort of like the long-term horizon thinking. And then I think, uh, you know, like most of you, uh, there's things that are in front of us that are two to three years out that we're trying to build an architecture for, kind of make investments to sort of like, you know, get, get a flywheel around a particular market or product moving. And then we are, uh, obsessed about you know, execution over the next year. And so, you know, the key strategies and objectives that we lay out for the company that we need to make sure that we nail, there's a lot of energy and attention on making sure that, you know, we're measuring the right things and we're moving at the velocity that's going to set us up for the two and three and then eventually the 10 year goals.
0: Yeah. And is there any, there may not be when, you know, part of this underlying theme is, you know, we probably thought some of, some of us were talking about this backstage, probably in 2011, 2012, a lot of us thought these paradigms were kind of set one of them was collaboration the collaboration is much bigger than we thought yeah. <laughs> even five what what what's the next phase of collaboration do you guys have a vision to help all of us think about it can you see things we can't see how will we be collaborating that'll help other founders out there
1: well i mean back to sort of like the you know the keyword in the title of the presentation is on openness and I, I think you know openness you know we believe uh is a way that we can better unlock the potential of teams and a, a lot of the way that that most businesses are structured is sort of trapped in some of the antiquated organizational structures of you know, the 1950s and that sort of command and control, and we compartmentalize, and we have you know, one group that does one thing in isolation of its connection to the rest of the company. And you know as a company, in part because we started in Australia, Uh, And, you know, we were sort of a distributed company from day one, we actually like had to be open. We had to level the playing field for people to contribute to our ideas and, you know, kind of the work product and the things that were in progress because they were everywhere uh, around the globe. And I I think when we now you fast forward 16 years later as a company with, you know, 3,500 employees, like the way that we work in the open. Is, is a force multiplier in everything that we do. Um, you know, the fact that our ideas and our strategies and our objectives and our, all of our key projects are basically in systems that are accessible to everyone, not just where they can read and learn about them, but you know, where they can challenge them and contribute to them, uh, you know, I, I think is a, a very different style of, of working. And when I think about collaboration, like that's actually what we see as we look inside of ourselves uh, and you know, there are other companies that, that both use our, our, our products and practices that work that way, there's, you know, we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg, and I think there's pretty significant change um, that comes from kind of working in that style.
0: Yeah, maybe hyper-collaboration. Instead of little moments during the day or the week, everything's shared, which is what Alaskan's doing. Right?
1: Yeah, you, you imagine just the, the, you know, the concept of beginning with a, you know, a, a page that is open to everybody in the company as you draft it. You know, pick on Google Docs for a second. Google Google Docs is a page that only you can see unless you actually open it to everybody. And typically most of us, because we, we you know, we, we, we might, might not be comfortable with the vulnerability, uh, begin to share that and sort of progressively disclose it to more and more people because we're a little nervous. Like what if people don't like it? What if they've got a, a different idea? What if they wanna challenge it? And I'm like trying to get over the hurdle and I just wanna get there. And sort of all of our products uh, begin kind of inverted. You begin with a page that everybody can see and you have to sort of like, Claw it back a little bit, but if you really lean into that vulnerability, some pretty awesome things can happen.
0: Well, let's just talk about because some of this maybe uh, that folks that haven't worked at public companies may not get it. This HipChat, decide, there's a couple interesting things about HipChat, but you've decided that you're going to focus on other on, on other core products. You're going to spin HipChat IP out to Slack and invest in Slack. I don't know what Wall Street thinks, but that's potentially a material decision, right? It is. People are going to be interested. It could influence the stock price you trust 3,000 employees to hold that information confidential for a month for two months or how long before it gets announced
1: uh, it was three weeks three weeks but yeah, that's a weeks. lot of time It was a lot okay. of time
0: what about how, do you, you don't worry about employee number two 2998 the one the one that they gave you one star on glass door
1: like how do you how
0: do you make that trust circle work with the edge of trust how do you because that is fairly bold right?
1: yeah I mean uh, uh, you invest in it. Like I think you invested in it with that exact example. You say it could be employee number three thousand one, or sort of somebody that that is disgruntled for whatever reason that decides to, uh, you know, to kind of challenge the system. But I think that's a great example of where the three thousand people, you know, w- what they're seeing and the, the the company do is walk the talk. And we can say, hey, we're all insiders, and you know, we make decisions that are going to impact all of us, and we're going to share them, and we're going to explain why we wait until the last minute and we say, hey, here's the decision, and like, now you get to deal with it with, with the rest of the, you know, the market and sort of our customer base and everything else, uh, I think we're not investing in what we really believe, which yeah. is trust is a core advantage and strength in our culture, and uh, you know, we'll lead by example.
0: So I guess maybe the learning, which, is, um, which I still think about, is that, that trust scaled. You literally had 3,000 people keep a piece of confidential information from public for three weeks.
1: Correct, yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy, I think. Yeah, and by the way, on our side, like I, you know, a, a, I don't know if it was all of Slack, but a huge, huge contingent of Slack. I mean, I think yeah. the, the cultures between Slack and Atlassian are really similar in that regard, and I think they're equally a company that uh, that invests in building building trust. You know, because we're, we're all part of the same organization, trying to do the same thing.
0: I want to make sure we've got plenty of time, but I want to make sure we hit two things on openness, no matter what. One is ideas, and the second one's inclusion. Yeah. So when we're small, uh, it's really easy. 20 employees, 50, even 100, for everyone to contribute ideas, right? And the best ones go to the top. Sometimes when you have thousands, when you cross a line, how do you process ideas from, how many employees does Austin have today? I should know. 4,000? Exactly yeah, 3,500. 3,500. Yeah. How, how, how do you process, especially in an open culture, the, how do you surface the best ideas out of 3,500?
1: Uh, so lots of different ways. Uh, I mean, one, one, one thing that we think a lot about is, is you know, I think just this notion that, When you think about scaling culture and scaling kind of the way that, you know, that teams come together and create ideas like, you know, the hard like when you're five people, you're 10 people. Like, of course, it's easy. You're all in the same room and you're like, what about that? And everybody can kind of contribute to that. And, you know, we think a lot about like, how does that particular capability scale. And it's going to be different when you're 3,500 people. There's going to be different mechanisms. But I think if the underpinning of that is, again, back to openness, like a culture where people feel the courage to contribute, where people feel, uh, you know, even when, when a new Atlassian joins, I think the first thing they hear is... Uh, And by the way, this is hard when things are going well, but the first thing they hear is like, don't be shy. Come in here and tell us what you think is screwed up, what you think could be could be better. Uh, Challenge something that we're doing that you don't understand. Like that's what we need from you. If we wanted to hire you just to sort of like incrementally make us a little bit better, we probably, you know, we, we, we could have saved the effort. And so I think, you know, it takes a lot of work, but scaling the, ki- the kind of collaborative culture that you have in the same room with 5 or 10 or 15 people up to 3,000 uh, takes a lot of work. You know, the, the mechanisms for us are going to be a lot of our products. Like, you know, we build products that I think lean into kind of open contribution and collaboration. And so, uh, you know, a version of JIRA that, is, that we call Project Central where basically every key project is described. And the, the, you know, the key teams that are working on that uh, have a regular cadence of updating, whether it's on-track, off-track, and what's happening. And that is sort of an open system that everybody can access anything. And so when you get to, hey, like, this thing bugs me, I'm a user of this thing, and I'm not necessarily working on this particular product, but what if? And they have a way to kind of like, insert that into the flow. And then I think you know, we have a culture that's receptive to that, that sort of insertion that says, oh shit, that's not a bad idea, maybe we should prioritize that.
0: Yeah, and you use any sort of point system or karma or anything to bubble up the best ideas at scale, or is it qualitative?
1: Not really. It's, it's uh, I mean, sure, like there, there's gonna be things that we prioritize sort of uh, specific features inside of products and like there's a lot of customer feedback me- mechanisms and there's sort of a lot of, of looking through um, actual usage data of sort of like features that we're kind of trying. There's sort of a lot of that mechanism, but I think the, uh, you know, what about this particular thing? You know, there's gonna be sort of like a, a cultural energy that spins up over something that I think is a pretty strong signal. And then we'll do the things that you would expect that all of you do, which is, you know, study the crap out of it, analyze it, talk to customers, like make sure that you get kind of validation that that's actually going to be something worth doing. Yeah.
0: The other thing besides generational is equality. So we've got uh, two white males of privilege on stage. So let's talk about inclusion (laughs) and how openness has or hasn't helped. We had yesterday, um, we heard the story of building the first inclusion program uh, at Salesforce uh, and how it took uh, Molly Ford two years to get up the courage to bring up her idea to build the first inclusion program, even in a relatively open culture, right? Yeah. So openness isn't doesn't cure all ills, does it? Uh, it helps. It doesn't cure all. So totally what, have learned, what have you learned? What at last in terms of equality and inclusion? How has openness helped? Uh, and are there things that maybe it hasn't helped as much as you thought?
1: Well, so a couple things. Like one, I think it levels the playing field. Uh, it's gonna sound like a broken record, but you know, I, I think the there's just danger in sort of closed systems where. Kind of the idea, or kind of the you know the work product, or the progress around something yeah. is compartmentalized, and people can't see it or contribute to it. And so then potentially, like you've got you know parts of an organization or parts of a company that you know that aren't diverse and aren't inclusive that are sort of driving part of the company forward. And so I think when everything is out in the open, it's just a level playing field, and you can see the participation. People feel the freedom and courage to challenge something or or, or to contribute an idea. The other thing that we've worked really hard on um, with D&I is, you know, we, we, believe, we believe, and if you believe that diversity you know, is a strength, that the best ideas will come from the most diverse contribution uh, in teams, then you would focus your D&I efforts at a team level, not just a company level. And I think one thing that's broken around the conversation is it's easy to sort of project big numbers where you're like, hey, look at our percentage of X or our percentage of Y, but that could be, again, in some function in a company or some part of a company or some geo of a company. And so we've worked really hard to say, like, at the, at the, the most atomic uh, part of our, of our organization, the team, yeah. a group of five or six or seven or eight people that have to work together every day on a particular thing, how diverse are they? And if they're not, that's something that we need to, we need to fix and improve. And so we, you know, we analyze and study and share diversity at the team level, not just kind of like the aggregated level.
0: There was, um, I, I, I tried to be a student of this, and I went to, uh, I went to one pretty great talk on, uh, on next generation thoughts on inclusion, and one, and one of the speakers w- was asked by a white male attendee, uh, how should I talk about a certain thing? And uh, what the panelists said was, you know, you don't have to talk about everything. It was a, a troublesome topic that maybe shouldn't be discussed. Does openness sometimes has it created some discussions have, that you have to bound, or uh, has it accidentally created any any issues that you wouldn't expect? No,
1: Nothing. Not really. I mean, no, not really. I think the, the culture do itself people does
0: speak up on things. Do they speak yeah. up too much? Do they speak too far? No,
1: I don't think so. I mean, the culture does a good job of kind of balancing that so far, yeah. and, uh, and, and again, I think it's a strength. But you know, back to the thing I mentioned earlier, that shared understanding, you know, shared understanding inside of a company, of whether it's five or five thousand, that's sort of key. And uh, when we think about DNI, like again, the way that we we have a very active blogging culture, and so you know, I think every company should have something like Confluence. If it's not Confluence, Confluence is sort of like the Slack of long form content. And you know, when and it's all of blogging our
0: back. blogging's back, isn't it? It's twenty nineteen blogging. Back. I mean, whether
1: like blogging is just another way of saying like I've got something that I can't communicate in quick form text in a channel. I actually need to describe my thoughts. And so we'll have pages inside of the company that talk about, uh, you know, the most recent one that I read that was really, you know, really impactful was just the notion of pronouns inside of the company. And there's, you know, a growing contingent of transgender inside of Atlassian who understand that, hey, you might not understand uh, sort of like how this makes me feel or, you know, what the issues are. And so from my own voice, I want to tell you like, I want to tell you, like, when I've gone, when I've changed my own pronoun or there's a different pronoun that uh, would make me happier, and actually, like, I get it that it might take you a while to change. Like, there's all of this long-form content. And then what you see in our culture is, you know, 3,000 people that, that read that and then have a discussion about it. And, and again, that discussion is sort of a living, breathing thing that isn't lost inside of a channel. It's on a page. It's, it's sort of like, and that's uh, it's just a huge part of our culture that I, that I think... Um, in addition to having a real-time mechanism for, for people to connect with in the moment, I think these long living, long form discussions uh, about something like that, or about strategy, like you know, where is your strategy written down? Is it written down somewhere where everybody in your company can challenge it, or can voice support for it, uh, or can just say, "heck yeah, this is what we need to do," uh, and is that a reference document that is a living, breathing expression of what you're trying to accomplish that everybody can contribute to? If not, you need that. It can't be an email. It can't be a Word document, God forbid. It can't be something that's just lost. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, and last one, because we'll, we'll run over, we could talk forever. But I know you wanted to, if you have some, what are, for folks that want to be more open, what are, what are a couple learnings, what are a couple things that are actionable that folks can take to their companies?
1: So uh, I, would, I would start there. You know, I would sort of like you don't have a system where you can, some technology that you can use to sort of like, you know, have have everyone contribute to what you're trying to express. And I think you need something like that, you know? And and I don't think it's Google Docs, because again, like, you know, I think the technology is an enabler here. Like, technology doesn't solve the problem because a huge part of it is culture. Like, if you have a system, even if you take a product like ours, like Confluence, and your culture doesn't embrace it or use it, it doesn't matter. Like, the product isn't gonna get you there. Uh, And then I would start small, I would say like, you know, pick a topic and again as a as as leaders of the organization, I assume a lot of a lot of you are leaders here of your companies, start with something that's hard, like whether it's here's where we're trying to go, right? Here's our you know, our 12-month plan or 15-month plan. And then by the way, invite challenge to that. Be vulnerable, whether, you know, again, there's a period where it's gonna take shape, but be vulnerable to have that critically challenged inside of the company. And get over that hurdle of where where you've resolved the challenges or you've agreed. To, uh, to disagree and commit to them, but you've got a plan. And I think the plan on the other side of that process, that open collaborative process, is much stronger, and I think people are more emotionally committed to helping achieve it.
0: All right, last one real quick, because we will never go over. But um, and maybe there isn't something. Looking back and openness, is there one thing that stands out that you wish you'd done earlier or faster or different?
1: Oh, uh, man, that's a good question. I don't know, it's, it's been a birthright for us. And, and so, you know, I think it's the way we started and it's the way we've scaled. You know, I, I think uh, the, thing that, the thing that you know we work a lot on now, and maybe we should have done this earlier, I'll pick this one, is like new Atlassians that join uh, kind of get indoctrinated really quickly, but it takes a lot of courage to participate. And the thing that we work on really hard now is if you've come from a company we you're not, you're not used to that style of working, that you, know, you everything that you do is in draft and you wait until it's perfected before you share it and then you share it with a small group of people that you think are really gonna be supportive and so you get those positive signals early on and you're sort of building consensus along the way. That is not the way we do things. And so I think what we try really hard is we try to get people to come in and say, man, you're gonna to have to let your guard down and just be yourself and you'll rock it, but it's, you've, you've gotta switch into a completely different mode And I think that we need to still do that because, you know, because in 3,500 people, especially where there's a big consensus that do work a certain way, it can be hard for new people to come in and be like, here I am. And I'm like, I'm going to do it this way. And it takes some change. So I'd probably do that earlier.
0: That's good. All right. Let's thank Jay for coming again. Thanks, guys. Thank you.